Welcome back to the Building Stewards Podcast. I'm your host, Donovan Brooks, and I'm here to guide you on your stewardship journey through education, encouragement, and engagement. Happy New Year. It is great to be with you here in 2021. So I hope your year has been off to a great start. I'm actually coming to you from Arizona, very sunny and warm as compared to Missouri. Uh, When we left, it was snowy and icy, and when we arrived here, it was in the 60s. So wanted to give you an update there. We actually come here around Thanksgiving, but since we had COVID this year, we had to postpone our trip. So giving a little disclosure, if you hear any funny noises in the background, if it sounds a little different, it is because I am outside of my normal recording studio. So anyway, again, great to be with you. Today, I wanted to spend a little time talking about financial habits. And habits is always a topic that we hear a lot of when the new year kicks off because there's the closing of a year and the beginning of a new year. And it's always like this great reset. Everything's anew. We have a fresh slate. And it it is a great time to reset and reflect and plan for the future and cast some vision. But what I want you to know is that Typically, the best time to quit a bad habit or start a new habit is today. Whenever you're listening to this, whatever the day may be, you don't have to wait for a new year. Typically, the best time is now. So uh, I just wanted to let you know that um, as we kind of head into talking about some financial habits. And so financial habits are super important because they can have a huge compounding effect over uh, a period of time. And, and as we look towards a longer period of time, they become even that much more vital. I get it. Some people like to ignore it, stick their head in the sands. They kind of continue to put off, you know, some financial habits that they know they need to be implementing. Um, and I want to say now is the time to make that happen. So uh, I encourage you to commit to some of these habits and maybe you have some habits that won't even make this list, but commit to them because they make a huge impact over time. So without further ado, I'm going to head into some of the habits that I'm going to talk about really kind of breaks down into three kind of main themes um, in this episode. So budgeting and tracking is something I want to talk about, which I talk about quite a bit because it's super important and foundational. Uh, Next, I want to talk a little bit about automating and automating for success. And the last thing I want to talk about is incorporating our faith more into our finances. So practicing faith within your finances. So, okay. So starting off, budgeting and tracking. Uh, A distinction I want to make is that these are really two different things. Um, Typically, people fall into the trap where they do one or the other. And that's kind of a dangerous place to be because when you just do one or the other, you lose out on the overall benefit that both of them bring together. And really, they have to be done together um, and in the symbiotic relationship. Um, because if not, then you're, you're missing out on the entire benefit. So to step back, budgeting is really telling your money where to go. It is planning your spending. It is being super conscious and diligent and mindful about how you're going to budget your income. So that's budgeting. People get discouraged because they don't know where to start with budgeting and you know, sometimes thinking about expenses is overwhelming. And it is, it is. There's kind of a learning curve the first couple months. You're kind of learning and being made aware of your spending and your tendencies. But I encourage you to jump in. It does get easier over time and you kind of refine and polish the process of budgeting. Tracking the expenses. This is probably what most people do more than anything is just, oh, I have a mint account. I can see my spending and track it. Well, tracking really doesn't do anything you know, if you don't have something to compare to like budgeting. So budgeting is really proactive 
is a proactive approach to planning your spending and tracking your expenses is reactive. You get to see how you're spending, you know, how, how you came out of it, how you came out of the month spending in comparison to your budgeting. So really, they need to be done together. Uh, one without the other is really, you know, leaving you without the benefit of, you know, the, the entire process. So really, why, why does this matter? Why do we come back to this? Why do I talk about it so much? Why do I say it's foundational? Is because it needs to line up with our values, our beliefs, and our goals. And really comes down to like, what do we prioritize? And the reason is because these are opportunities. One, we are a steward of it all. So all of our spending decisions are, you know, spiritual decisions, but it really comes down to what are we valuing? Does our spending line up with what we say we value? And the reality is, is we have pretty finite resources. And so we need to be making the most of that. So we need to be proactive about being hands-on about where our money's going to be spent. And then we need to make sure and track to make sure that's where it actually went. And if it doesn't line up, we need to make some adjustments. So that's why it's important. And I'll continue to harp on that until the day I die. And I'm not perfect at it. I still have areas and we still have areas that we have to evaluate and constantly come back to and have conversations. But it's better than not having those conversations. It's better than having your head in the dirt and being oblivious to your monthly finances. So anyway, um, a little plug that I'm not getting paid for. If you're looking for a tool that's going to help you do both of these budget and track your expenses, I recommend YNAB. You need a budget and it is the best solution I've found on the market. And so that's something I would say, if you're looking for something, try, you need a budget and you can just search it. You can either search YNAB, you know, you go to Google search YNAB or plug in, you need a budget, you know, it'll pop up and they offer a 34 day free trial, which is pretty generous. And there is a learning curve just with anything, but once you get it going, once you learn the process, it's you know life-changing when it comes to your finances. So I encourage that. Um, also plug in the show notes. I'll plug that in the show notes and also plug my, I have a free budgeting 101 email course and I put a lot more information in that, tips, um, recommendations, um, ways to approach budgeting. It's not you know, a one-stop shop, but it could help you get started. It could help you jumpstart if you need help in the budgeting and tracking area. And I've referenced a lot of YNAB stuff in it. So I'll put that in the show notes, but budgeting and tracking your expenses, a habit you need to start right now if you're not doing it. And if you're falling short, then you need to commit to improving in this area because this is what's going to be foundational. This is what's going to set up everything else for success within your personal finances. Okay, enough about that. Uh, next topic is automating for success. And you might be thinking, well, how is automating a habit? Really, we want to shift. We want to shift a lot of our financial behaviors to automating because automating takes out the self-discipline, the self-motivation, uh, the diligence to some of these decisions that need to be made. And when things aren't automated, they tend to slip through the cracks. We tend to forget we only have so much mental capacity and we can only remember so many things. And so if there's something that can be automated, we should be opting for that every time. And once we automate it, it's out of sight, out of mind. It's going to be taken care of unless something happens typically on the other end, which is very rare. It still can happen, but typically it's not our fault You know, once we get the things automated. And it's one of the easiest ways to remain consistent and to achieve that slow and steady progress over time is through automating. So I'm gonna go through a, a handful of things that I think are very worthy of automating that you should look into. And if you're not doing it, definitely consider doing these things. So when it comes to automation, 
building those reserves, those emergency reserves and funding any goals. I would say these are great opportunities to automate. So what this looks like is uh, setting up an automatic transfer from your checking account to your savings account in a, a predetermined amount to build upon your emergency reserves or fund any goals um, that are larger in nature. Let's say if you plan a vacation or you need to replace a vehicle or a new laptop or something of that sorts where it's not gonna happen if you don't save automatically each month and allow your first fruits of your income to really contribute to that goal. And automation takes the manual willpower out of moving that money manually. So I would, again, as I talk about savings, I always kinda wanna plug, preferably a high yield savings account with low interest rates right now, it won't be that much more, but it'll still be something more than probably what you're getting. So definitely encourage you to look at a high yield savings account. So anyway, building savings and reserves are a great thing to automate. Okay, the next thing, debt elimination. So most people probably think, ah, this is already automated in a sense. I have monthly payments come out. And yes, you do have monthly payments come out. If you don't have automatic payments coming out of your account to pay off debt. First, that is probably the first thing that you need to set up and make sure is getting done with very few exceptions. If you have a balance transfer strategy going on and you know, you've have it worked out, that might be an exception. But for the most part, if you have debt outstanding and you have monthly payments that are due, automate this. Uh, really what I really want to hit on in regards to debt elimination or automation can be powerful is to slowly increase those payments periodically. And again, it's out of sight, out of mind, but with that automation, you're gonna pay off your debt quicker. The more frequent you're able to hop in there and increase those payments by an amount that your monthly cash flow can allow. So debt elimination, most people are already making automated payments. Uh, that is a good place to start, but a great place to move is how can we hop in there and increase those automated payments each month to increase and to make kind of these bigger debt payments to get out of debt quicker. So that is a great place to start and reevaluate your debt elimination and automation. Okay, next thing uh, that is great to automate is planning for the expected. And so what I mean by that is there's certain expenses that we might deem are unexpected expenses when in reality we know they're eventually gonna happen. We may not know when it's gonna happen. So because we know those things are gonna happen, we can actually plan today and budget today for those and set money aside through automation um, for when those times come. So let's just step back and I'll give you a couple of examples. We know if you own a car, you know your car is gonna need to be repaired. That's just the reality. You know there's wear and tear and maintenance. You know you're gonna need new tires. You know uh, a, a water pump's gonna go out or there's gonna be some transmission stuff that needs to be fixed. We know that stuff's gonna happen. So why not save today and each month to plan for that? Uh, if you own a home, you know your home's going to need repairs. There's going to be maintenance. There's going to be appliances that that need work or go out. Also, property and real estate taxes, taxes aren't ever going to go away. Uh, so we know taxes will come due, and we typically know when those are due each year at the end of the year. So you can plan on that. You can save and budget for that through just automating through your budgeting tool. Um, insurance, you know, if you pay annual or semi-annual insurance premiums, um, you may have a year where it's just hard medically. Like you have to max out your medical deductible. We know what our medical deductible tends to be. We know what a maximum out-of-pocket expense is going to be, you know, through our insurance plan. So we know what that's going to be. We can proactively save towards that. We know there's going to be certain events each year that are maybe celebratory in nature that require gifts, or we like to get gifts for them, birthdays, Christmases, 
you know, other events, we can plan for those. So here are the events that, you know, with a little foresight, with a little planning, we can say, hey, we're going to need X amount of funds. Like, let's go ahead and save for that. And YNAB does a great job at allowing you to kind of automate that process. And so that's why I think these are great events to plan for, use automation and get that much further ahead. Um, and so very powerful, very powerful concept here. Okay, the next thing that we can automate is something you're probably already doing right now, hopefully you are, but retirement saving and potentially future increases. So if you work a job and your employer, your workplace has a retirement plan, like a 401k or a 403b, you're probably automating your retirement saving already. So you may be putting 4%, 5%, 6% away towards retirement, and that's great. That's a great place to start, and this is something super powerful, probably one of the most tangible things we can see when it comes to automating, right? Because you can log in and look at your 401k or your 403p balance and see the fruit of that, the, the fruit of systematic monthly contributions. We can see employer contributions. We can see growth, right? Very tangible, very powerful. Uh, and so this is a great example of automating saving. So retirement saving is a great thing to automate. Uh, again, where we can move from good to great is the future increases. We can add on that you know, add an extra percent each year or every two years um, as our cash flow allows us. Again, powerful. Once we set it, we can forget it out of sight, out of mind. Our monthly take-home pay is reduced. We adjust to that. We get used to not having that money. And again, all around a great, great thing to automate. A lot of the larger institutions that handle workplace plans have a built-in future increases option. And this could be a great thing for you to even lean into even more and elect so you can even think about it even less. For example, I know Fidelity offers an option where you can set the percentage that you want to increase each year for the next how many years. And it'll automatically do it without you having to think about it and to revisit it at a, a later date. So this is something that's you know, really been developed that I think is awesome. And it is out of sight, out of mind, and you will be the better for it, for automating it. So that is an example of retirement saving and future increases. But the more we can automate that and lean into that for the, the long-term saving and investing, the, the more powerful it's gonna be in your favor. Okay, last thing to automate is bill pay. So I think a lot of people are probably leaning into bill pay and automating this because of just how frequent it is. Uh, but if you're not, I would encourage you to lean into automating this in order to reduce having to do this each month. One, it's gonna save you time. Two, it's probably gonna save you fees in terms of uh, late payments. I know it's a hard thing to let go. I know for me it was a control issue because you're giving a company, a utility company or a, you know services or what, if, what have you, you're giving a company the authority to debit directly to your bank account or your credit card. And that's a pretty pervasive feeling that you kind of lose that control and you're handing it over. But what I've noticed now is that the, the more life I live, the more that technology innovates and that these companies innovate, the less mistakes there are. You know, they have these built-in algorithms, they have the security and the software developed in a way that there's just fewer mistakes and I feel more confident in the technology and the software than, you know, if humans were entering it. You know, there's typically more errors with human involvement and they've just automated it this on their end and they trust it. So uh, I trust it. This isn't to say we can't review, you know, our, our monthly expenditures as we go through and check to make sure there's nothing that is alarming. Definitely do that. Um, if we're not doing that, that can be negligent on our behalf, but 
automate your bill pay. It'll save you time. It'll save you headaches. It'll save you probably money in the form of uh, late payments and fees and penalties. Automate it and then be done with it. And then you just monitor the debits as they come through your account, your checking account or your credit card. All righty. That is enough about automation. The next thing I want to talk about is practicing faith within your finances. And this is always a place where I think we can always be better, right? Because sure enough, we're all broken. We all need grace. We're all striving to become more Christ-like with each and every day. So this is an area that we need to kind of step back and constantly be reevaluating how we can practice faith within our finances. And I think it's never really going to be finished. I think there's areas that are going to change over time. I think there's going to be areas that we become weaker in, that we were once strong and vice versa. But with how strong of an idol that money is, I think this is always going to be a place that we can refine some of our habits. And the reason why is because money is this weird idol that just produces pathways to many other idols. And I think there's a reason why Jesus talked about it so much in scripture, because money is an idol that just allows us to make ourselves our own God so very easily in a lot of different ways. And so this is why it's super important for us to be um, habitual about some of the important things that we need to be doing within our finances. So the first thing I want to talk about is just vulnerability within our finances and vulnerability and money and talking about money continues to be a taboo topic within the church. No one likes to talk about money. You don't see a lot of pastors preaching about money unless it's in regards to giving and them trying to encourage giving within their congregation. It just doesn't happen. Um, and I think there's a lot of shame around money. And so a lot of people don't talk about it. They think they need to be doing a lot better than they are. It's this weird circular reference. How do we get better about managing our money and managing our finances for the glory of God if we're not willing to talk about it? And so this is, there's this broken disconnect that we as a church need to break through in order to be better. And here's the reality. Transformation can't occur in areas that we aren't vulnerable. That's it. Like, Full stop. If we're not willing to be vulnerable in any area within our faith, we can't expect transformation to happen. And so that is just us kind of com humbly coming to the cross and just handing it over uh, to Christ saying, take this. I am surrendering this. I want to be vulnerable in this area because I desperately need transformed. So one of the, the easiest things to do, I, I won't say it's easy. One of the, the first steps we can take is building community around this. We need community to surround ourselves in order for us to be vulnerable about anything within our faith. But as we talk about finances, surround yourself with community that will allow you to be vulnerable as you walk through this journey and sharing about your finances. So this could be a small group. This could be a mentor. This could be a trusted confidant. You know, Make a list, make a short list of people that you feel safe and comfortable with being vulnerable with. And someone that's going to challenge you too. Like it's one thing to be able to kind of regurgitate everything and that be that, but you need someone that's going to challenge you and hold you accountable as well. So there's this verse from Proverbs 27, it's verses five and six. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. I love that. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So saying like our true friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ that care about our faith journey and our relationship with Christ, they deeply care about us so much and they love us so much. They're willing to wound us, to direct us to 
Christ and what he says and his faithful commandments um, and what we should be doing and, and just kind of rebuking the things in our life that we need to repent from. I love that. So keep that in mind as you know, maybe you're going down this process of being vulnerable. Like we need to seek those friends that are going to be faithful and be willing to lash out and maybe hurt us in a good way. Hurt's kind of a, a harsh word, but someone that's going to correct, sternly correct us and point us in the right direction. Okay. And just a couple questions to consider as I like to encourage and give call to actions. But where does the enemy have a foothold within my personal finances. Ask yourself that question. Where does the enemy have a foothold within my personal finances? Spend some time praying about it. Um, I think you probably have an inkling of some of these areas. Like we know like the Holy Spirit is is working within us and probably stirring some feelings and some revelations within us. Like we probably aren't naive to not know where the enemy has a foothold already, but you know, definitely pray about it and ask the people you trust if there's any areas that they see that the enemy has a foothold within within you in, in regards to personal finances. Next question, what are the opportunities? Where are the opportunities for the Holy Spirit to transform my life in regards to what I steward? So this kind of goes with the aforementioned question. Like typically the, the foothold is the opportunity, right? And that is the way towards transformation. So Okay, next thing is praying about your financial decisions. This is somewhere I am pretty guilty um, about. I do not pray enough when it comes to the financial decisions. But like I said earlier in the episode, every financial decision is a spiritual decision. And it is because we are stewards. It's not ours. It's all of God's. And because it's all of God's, we need to be faithfully seeking his guidance when deciding what to do. And because of that, we need to be praying. That's that's it. We need to be praying, seeking the Holy Spirit first and foremost for guidance. Uh, I think there's also opportunities to seek uh, brothers and sisters in Christ about guidance as well. The Holy Spirit manifesting wisdom and insight through that. We're all of one spirit, right? So for example, what I do, I'm a financial advisor. Like I get to give biblical wisdom and knowledge through a lot of this decision-making and try to be super prayerful about just speaking of, of one spirit, you know, through that. But again, that is an option too. pray first, you know, that the Holy Spirit may reveal what you should do, where you should go, how you should act. But then also you can reach out to those people you trust and see how the Holy Spirit responds through them as well. So a piece of scripture that just kind of popped in my mind as I was kind of making this little point was James 1, 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. So as long as we're asking of the right intent, right motive, we can ask God and he's going to give us wisdom. He's going to reveal what we need to know. And I think that's so powerful. Uh, so just to remember that, praying about our financial decisions. Okay, last thing. We need to be giving in sacrificial ways. How can we continue to practice better habits of giving in sacrificial ways? So again, as we look at stewardship, stewardship is encompasses more than just money, right? I talk about money a lot because, you know, I'm a financial advisor. It kind of tends to be the way I lean in regards to the content that I make. But remember, what we have to steward encompasses everything that God has given to us. So we think about our expertise and our talents are another great thing. Our time, what influence do we have? So I, I've kind of talked about it before, but if you've made a list of everything that you have 
to dispose, like you are a steward of that. So we should be thinking about how we can give in sacrificial ways of those things. So still need to be prayerful about it. Yes. But I love that when we practice anything sacrificially for the right motives, again, we can definitely give sacrificially for optics and for selfish gain. But when we do it with the right heart and the right motive, it benefits everybody, right? It benefits us because we're practicing humility. We're being transformed into more of a Christ-like image and it benefits who we're sacrificing for, right? They may benefit in a physical, emotional, and hopefully spiritually way when, when we sacrifice and give and that they get to see God's character through our giving. So yeah, ask yourself, what are the ways, what are the different areas that we are being called to give in a sacrificial way? Uh, maybe that change has changed for 2021 as you look forward. Maybe it's continuing to build on what you've been doing in 2020 or the, the years before. But I think we need to be asking ourselves that question. What areas are we being called to give sacrificially? And one of the, the parables, the stories in scripture that I love, it's not a parable, it is, it is a, an account, but it's in Mark 12, and it's verses 41 through 44. And it says, and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box for they all contributed out, out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So we have this account of Jesus calling over his disciples to recount this poor widow putting in everything that she had, all relative, right? And that was the distinction he made. He said, everyone else is giving out of their abundance, but this poor widow gave everything she had. She is given way more because of that, because it was all relative. You know, she had nothing and she gave everything, right? So sacrificial how do we give in a more sacrificial way? What can we give in a more sacrificial way? So convicting to me, right? It's, it's hard. It's hard to hear. But just the, the message that the Holy Spirit's putting on my heart, uh, I think a, a question, questions that we need to be answering about sacrificial giving. So anyway, those are some financial habits that I wanted to hit on just as we head into 2021, areas that I think we all can benefit from. And remember, this is, I know first and foremost, we probably think like how we improve our own personal finances, but this is how we impact the kingdom. First and foremost, this is how we impact our communities and the most proximate areas that we live in. And then lastly, yes, you know, we hope to have personal improvements from building upon these habits. So remember, it's not just our personal <laughs> lives that are being impacted when we implement these habits. The hope is that it radiates out and has a bigger impact across the kingdom at large, the world, and then you know our, our local communities as well. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, check out the show notes in the show description, and I'll have a lot of the material, scripture, everything I referenced in this show for your viewing pleasure. And again, let me know if I can be doing anything for you. Remember, if anyone has any questions, I'm still doing mailbag questions at the end of the episode. If I have any, I haven't had any in a while, but I, I always think those are fun to answer. So hop on over to the website, buildingstewardspodcast.com to drop any of those questions. And that's where you can find the show notes as well. So until next time, the best is yet to come. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. 
Because it is general in nature, it does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a financial decision. This podcast is not engaged in legal, financial, or other professional services.